Hello again. Welcome to Two Left Feet. Right, so today, what we're talking about, we're going to talk about... Infantilising dancers. Yep. Yeah. Have you ever been infantilised as a dancer? (laughs) Yeah. Talking about being infantilised is like just one of the versions of being sort of patronised that that happens with dancers, I think. Mm -hmm. Because dancers are also um, framed as not being very intelligent. I felt like that when I have been um, maybe excluded from certain conversations or have been not treated as um, someone who has something equal to offer as everyone else in the room (laughs) or sort of just as someone who needs to be schooled a bit (laughs) or monitored a bit or, or like taught something that the choreographer has right themselves that they need to teach the dancers that they're what, working with what was what was maybe one thing like uh, that they had to teach you that was that they didn't deem you like how um, to look after my body oh right yeah okay <laughs> like fitness for example or isn't that weird because like clearly you've been through like quite a rigorous training which I mean you survived so you know you know you do know how to look after your own body like you're one of the most expert people I mean, as a trained as a, dan- a dance trainer person no as a person who trained in dance yeah I mean in the situation I'm thinking of I have had exactly the same training as the person I'm working for because we went to the same school <laughs> so it's kind of like if there's a very didactic um, warm up at the beginning of, of every day when I'm working with someone then I find that a bit infantilizing mm-hmm. like I think sometimes there are um, really specific things that need to be like cultivated in a room and warming up together is really great but sometimes it doesn't actually that's not the purpose it's serving it's just like um, feels like a choreographer thinks that I need a bit more training or need that I need to be more fit or I need more stamina mm. I think it often does come in this like how it, how it makes me feel judged especially when it comes to my body mm-hmm 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 um, and I think that's just typically I suppose because like if you work in a ballet company, then I think the, infa- the level of infantilization is like through the roof compared to what I've maybe experienced in the contemporary dance world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, How yeah, yeah. You? Do you have any like feelings associated with it? Yeah, infantilization. Yeah, I think. What is there? I think for me generally I'm just going to say something really general for me which is like something about my particular dance experiences and what that's given me is kind of like a kind of quite a soft I probably had this anyway but quite a soft demeanor uh, quite a willingness to understand others and a kind of general empathy and I think people sometimes take advantage of that and kind of assume that because I'm being so nice uh, I'm not clever um so yeah. that i need to be talked down to yeah that so that aside maybe moving on to some kind of um anecdotal stuff uh i remember once having a long probably about a three hour morning chat with the choreographer and the dramaturg on something and 
we were getting really deep in, mm. all three of us, bouncing off, having a great time. Mm. And then after lunch, I was told, do you want to go warm up for half an hour? We're just going to keep talking about stuff. Mm. And I thought, I felt like I was vital to that first conversation about the work, about what, because <laughs> it was a solo for me to perform. Mm. I thought, you know, I'm a vital part of this trio of discussion. And then there was this point where it was like, we're going to work in the studio soon. So you go do dancer stuff mm. and we're going to keep talking about what you're going to do. Mm. And it, I don't know, like there's multiple sides to it. I did need to warm up, but I don't think I needed to be left out of the conversation about what I would do and what it would mean and what I would be asked to do. But there's so much tied into that example because, like, mm. it also makes me think of, like, if a sense of, like, needing to use time, like, really efficiently. Yeah. Like, we can't waste any time. We can't just sit and, like, relax while our dancer warms up. Or we can't, like, oh, yeah, also yeah. do a bit of, you know, bit of physical... Getting ready. A- attend to our bodies in this moment for whatever yeah. we need to do, which might be, like, sitting down for the next three hours to watch this performer. And it's fine if one person isn't, like, working in that half hour that you're warming up. Also, just, yeah, exactly. I feel like I've had this experience of just, like, uh, being asked to, like, be absent from a, co- a conversation with the dramaturg. And sometimes I think it's very appropriate that, like, not everyone in the, in the project needs to be, like, involved in every single conversation. So, like, sometimes it's really appropriate that the choreographer and the lighting designer or the choreographer and the technician and the choreographer and the dramaturg yeah. have individual conversations. But sometimes it's happened persistently and, like, across all types of conversation where I felt like I'm arbitrarily asked to be involved or not involved. <laughs> so there'll be artistic conversations when I'm there and then there'll be artistic conversations when I'm not there and then yeah it's this question of like oh was I not yeah really needed like was I kind of already disposable and yeah. also you're talking about me yeah exactly and then it's like and am think, I not yeah. relevant to this is it not is it not important for me to know these things that you're talking about me doing like yeah. it, it, it's a weird question it's like it feels important for me to know what I'm doing I suppose maybe the idea is that over the rehearsal time I would be privy to the intellectual side of things but I don't know I didn't there's not usually time for that is there it's like let's get the material on on Mm. top uh, get you on top of the material Mm. I've experienced this dismissal and it may be slightly different to what you experienced. I don't know if mm-hmm. this was there in your situation. But where it's like, I don't think the dancers will take it very well, what we're about to <laughs> talk about. They might take it too personally. We don't want to like get too into it because they'll probably want to like expand upon it and talk about it too much. They'll actually problematize it too much. So <laughs> let's just have this conversation where we like... I mean, I don't even know what they were talking about. But it was something that we would have been too... Um, sensitive about maybe yeah things being withheld in a way in which you feel like you're gonna it's because you'll react wrong yeah and also (laughs) there's this like I think there's a a really even more positive spin that people put on that kind of stuff which is like they're gonna provide this service for the performer of bringing something out of you you know like I'm gonna give you this really vague 
<laughs> description of what you'll be doing in order to bring out a, a level of performance you didn't even know you could do. Yeah, you didn't even know it was in you. But if you if, and, I, and, if I told you what I wanted, you would have done something different. You would have done your version, and that isn't really... That wouldn't have been as authentic or something. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to actually make you cry. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. that will really look like you're crying. Whereas if I told you to cry, you'd be doing fake crying. And that's just not as good. You stupid <laughs> idiot. <laughs> In a way, like this kind of method acting yeah. thing, is it's, an, it's also an acting yeah. way of doing things. It's true. But, and it's also a live art thing. It's like, you know, I suppose bloodletting is not pretend. Mm. It starts to go really weird when someone's getting an employee to do something for real yeah feel something for real or you know yeah um i guess that's it it's when you've not made the decision to do it yourself and i guess also just as a kind of caveat Mm. perhaps the people who have made the decision themselves are responding to market forces which mean that they sure they it's not really their decision whether or not they take things way overboard uh, it's actually just the kind of sensationalist uh, market that we are in that means that they've done that in order to garner more success. Yeah, and it's a cultural kind of force being pushed towards, yeah, treating content in this way of like, yeah, needing more sensation. It's like, it makes me think of... Um, so, this conversation uh, reminded me of another conversation that I've had with Sue Mayo, who is a friend and collaborator. And instead of you having to listen to me uh, remember that conversation and probably hack it to pieces, uh, we decided to get Sue on the line. So, this is a conversation that we had with Sue. I was like, oh, this makes me think of a conversation that I had with Sue. Maybe it was when we were working together, I can't remember. Of um, talking about how much you disclosed to participants within a project and yeah. in your context this is kind of yeah. working with often working with not non-professional performers yes so there's a whole other kind of layer of where the boundaries might be or what the kind of ethics are around that yes yeah no I that feels very familiar to me I think there's a kind of um there's a sort of rhythm in participatory work which is that you're leading and you're following you have to kind of keep moving between leading and following that's a a really nice rhythm so it might be that you propose something but then in what the group make of that you see a thing to follow and build on Uh, and so I think that's a kind of ideal that you're working towards but of course um, particularly with work where you're working with non-professional dancers you've got to invite people to something Mm. You, you invite them to something. I'm personally not massively at ease with the completely empty space, blank page approach. And I, I certainly remember paying for, um, particularly for kind of dance summer schools, where uh, the first thing that happened was that the teacher said to us, what would you all like to do? <laughs> and I thought, I would like you to do something because I think a lot of money. And yeah. so, I think it's absolutely correct to expect the person who's got some sort of responsibility to be framing it and to have ideas and and to be to be proposing things. Um, but 
I think one thing I've become more aware of is as I move, particularly as I love collaborating with people and I, and, and I sometimes collaborate with a new person and I think, oh, oh, I've just reached my boundary there, which is when their vision is the main thing. Hmm. And they're inviting people only into their vision. And then if they stray from that vision, that, that, that's not really possible. Now, I, I know I'm like that to an extent. So, uh, you know, you and I have worked on things and I've known what the theme was and I've known kind of roughly where I wanted it to get to. But I, I can really feel in myself that I must have a sort of boundary uh, uh, where I'm saying to myself, they're not just here to do your piece. And uh, so I'm not even quite sure how to articulate that. But I know <laughs> because I sometimes work with people for whom the, the deal is, I'm going to do an amazing show about X. And I love to have non-professional people come and join it. And what you get out of it is that I choreograph you, I direct you, you, you join in my, my vision. Um, and for me, then that's not my comfort zone because I, I'm not sure what they're doing there then and why you're not using people you pay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the transaction isn't, isn't fair somehow. That's right. And, but also, I mean, I say that and then I think, is it okay with people you pay? <laughs> <laughs> well, not, yeah. Not to let them in. There's a, there's a, I remember reading something about how a choreographer has to, um, the more the performers know the work, the less the choreographer knows, like the inner workings of what it is. Like there's this kind of, um, the choreographer knows more at the beginning and then less as as time goes on and and having to be okay with this thing of like I don't actually know where your foot goes in that moment and you all know it yeah because you're in doing it yeah yeah and you have to kind of like if you decide to you know keep your status in that place where you have to know it all mm. it, it might just kind of not ring true to the reality of what's happening I remember you talking about sometimes a director might want to hold on to some kind of uh, essence or sort of atmosphere of uh, people doing something for the first time or the kind of uh, watching people who aren't professional do something can have its own kind of joy and its own kind of interest and um, but if you try and hold on to this sort of freshness or um, innocence too much then you actually uh, end up or directors can sometimes choose or oh, let's not tell them all the all the uh, instructions because they'll lose that that sort of uh, naive spark yeah. I think that I have had the incredible uh, good fortune to work particularly with one group of people every year for a long time I think that that has really pushed me not to objectify them because hmm. I know them well now and they know me well. And uh, they, the, the, the importance of respecting where they come from, what they're bringing, what they want um, has really gone up and I think that perhaps one of the things about participatory work is you can often work with people for quite a short time mm. and of course that's got a kind of excitement to it and 
there are lots of people who don't want to do this all the time they want to do it as a short-term project but there's been something very important to me about working particularly with this group of adult women over a lot of years and I've you know had ups and downs and challenges and so on and I think that it would seem unimaginable to me now to kind of trick them or not not to disclose at the same time I think what I've gained from it is that they're massively willing to take risks and you know I've got so many kind of so much documentation of feedback where people say you said we would do this and I didn't believe you you said we would form this at the South Bank Centre and I, I didn't believe you. You said we would create X and I, I thought, yeah, right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so what you get back, what you have to show is you know how to hold it so that the group can get there. That's the, that's the deal, I guess, you know, is that you, you don't do that. And, and, I, and I do think you want that. I, I had a, a, a participant in a project who would always say, why am, why am I doing this? What's the purpose? Why am I doing this? And it, she did stop herself really from experimenting ever because she, uh, she needed to know the purpose in order to fulfill it or to say, no, I don't want to do that. So, you know, that was, that was fine and it was her right. But I also feel if you're going to work creatively you do want to go to places you didn't know you were going to go to and you do want to take risks so it's not about sewing it up and having kind of very firm kind of guardrails you know I often think of those I think they're called guardrails in bowling aren't they so the ball <laughs> can't go too far. you know you, you've got you 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 have to to kind of work out how wide that's going to be and how narrow that's going to be but I think that's probably the deal is that you people trust you to know how to get there mm. and what might be necessary to support it yeah. and they trust you with their opinions and their their desires on it uh, something like um uh leaving open space and kind of uh getting people to do kind of vague exercises and then immediately hitting them with kind of like the the rigid idea afterwards or something i was like i feel like i've had that before where i've been kind of asked into a, a task which is very open and sprawling and then suddenly comes in a yeah but not like that let's do it like this, <laughs> this. Yeah. um yeah. a kind of like a, a bait and switch <laughs> kind of uh, mechanism of choreography yeah no i i really like that and i i remember talking to somebody in a national trust property uh about you know participation and she was very excited because they had a huge model boat and she used to approach members of the public and say do you are you do you like sailing you know are you interested in boats and the minute they began talking she'd say because we've got this <laughs> in fact, it was a fake interest in their, you know, and, 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 you know, I can imagine thinking, oh, this is good. I'll start with them. But actually it was just kind of placing a coin in their head. To <laughs> make them come yeah. to yeah. And then to talk endlessly about it. And actually there was so much more possibility there because somebody might've said, I love sailing. And, and then she could have said, do you want to look at this boat and then tell me about is this anything like what you it could have carried on it could have been a dialogue 
but actually yeah. there was always the trap mm. it was actually a trap there were the bait there's the bait and then mm. there's the yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 and you're then you're in this like very small framework again yeah and it's that old you know frarian thing about banking education being the banking model which is that the recipient is empty and you bank knowledge in them and frary says no in in education you're both learning you're learning together uh, so I think, um, you know, it was a long, it was 1968 when he wrote that book, but it's, we're still, we're still fighting for that kind of education, actually, that kind of way of working together. Yeah. yeah. Big time. Yeah. I, f I feel like there's something in this infantilization thing of, of like trust, like trusting that the person you're working with has something to offer or, and like, there's, if you infantilize someone, you kind of don't trust that they are bringing anything to the table. It's exactly this thing of banking. You don't trust this empty vessel, really. You don't even see them as a person. And I think what people often think in dance is that what you bring is like, it's really vessel-like, you know, it's, it's, the, it's your body and anything can, be put, <laughs> can mm. be put on it or in it and you do those things. Yeah. Or you bring like beauty or you bring youth or you bring you know whatever it might be explosivity to, to this to, to to their yeah you bring athleticism but all of those yeah. things or it depends if those things are treated as like uh vessels for an idea or whether they're treated as like actual qualities that might have unexpected dimensions mm. <laughs> So the fact that you're really beautiful might actually mean you're like painfully shy or <laughs> that you're really yeah. young might mean that you have a completely different outlook on the world and what does that mean rather than like yeah. how do you work with with that yeah rather than yeah just an objectifying kind of thing and i was just thinking about the um you know the kind of complexity of people that mm. somebody um i remember there's a just a, a little game that I do sometimes where people just talk about their hands and a, and a very, very frail older woman um, just said, I swim. And I would not have known how beautiful her hands were because they were always on her lap, you know, and she was kind of being wheeled everywhere. She's the most extraordinary hands. And I think, it, how, how do we keep asking things of the people we're working with, which allow them to show a different facet, a different facet, a different facet. And there's something about, I think, the, the um, thinking, are my requests always asking the same thing of people? Hmm. Am, I, am I continually asking people to show this side of themselves? Hmm. You, know, that they, that, you know, this leg extension or this ability to be touch and be touched, you know, am I testing that? You know, am I actually by the limit of my invitations and my questions only ever seeing one side of one facet of people and i would think that's quite common mm. actually what what is it that you could do so that people suddenly uh, show you something that you hadn't seen mm. in yeah. room and i think that's a really mm. that's a really interesting thing and, and there's absolutely no doubt that i i would have uh, taken in so many things um i think both in dance and in acting about 
you know, what I should be presenting, what, what should I be offering? Who is the me I should be offering at this point? Mm. And feeling absolutely sure that this other bit of me wouldn't be very interesting or acceptable. Mm. And um, so I, 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 I think that's also a really interesting question is what, what are we discouraging from entering the room? Yeah. with those people yeah which yeah. <laughs> is kind of funny because we talk about vers versatility in the other video but actually it's like versatility within a quite a narrow segment of yourself <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. be yeah. ready to do anything but also don't show like strong filter <laughs> yeah don't show this side of you or, yeah. <laughs> yeah also yeah. that was the that's the that's the leader's menu of versatility yeah. Yes. What if you were in charge of the menu of versatility? Yeah. That's a, you know, that's yeah. a different thing. I, I was wondering a bit about whether the kind of um, connection between silence and dance is also important because I guess in in theatre work people are talking to you all the time, <laughs> and I I wondered whether choreographers can shut dancers up more easily, so there's less opportunity to fight back. Oh my god, yeah. I yeah. mean, yeah. Divide, divide and conquer. I think that's a really good point. Well, you joked in our little intro video that the point of this show is to have dancers talking because we don't talk much. <laughs> we just. <laughs> <laughs> I think also there's something in the. In the it's probably the schooling of dance training is a little bit learning to be quiet. But then it kind of it creates this uh, dynamic of the naughty kids because you, you start to want to talk, I think, uh, and be the kid at the back of the class who's speaking when you're not supposed to because there's so much time when you're not supposed to speak. <laughs> then suddenly you kind of act up in a kind of childish way, mm. even when that's maybe not your... Um, you never wanted to kind of be a naughty kid, but but the situation is such that that's the only... Uh, thing you can do to express yourself and your agency in that situation is to kind of be a bit naughty. And also a lot of weight is put on to body language and I think you know body language is really really important but I remember being told at, um, at the place like that like it's sort of teacher saying to me you just look like you're not trying and like you know You've, you were crossing your arms. <laughs> so I was sort of standing in class, like watching a phrase that I was going to have to learn, not thinking at all about what this might give across. Uh, if you'd asked me how I f felt, I wouldn't have articulated. I was fed up. I, I would have um, said like, I was concentrating really hard because <laughs> it looked difficult or something. But if you've got a teacher who probably has their own insecurities and maybe is wondering whether these third year students like what they're doing and <laughs> they're all a bit sassy and whatever. They're probably reading, oh God, this person is uh, resisting what they're doing and they're being a bit rude. Yes. Or like other, you know, other people <laughs> essentially being told that they have, you know, like uh, their face is, or what do people say, like resting bitch face. Certain people being, uh, and the same people being told over and over again 
that they didn't look like they were having a good time like really without asking whether they were having a good time so so it just becomes like a feedback on your dancing including your face <laughs> including like your gesture in between the, your gestures in between the dancing so any of this or like and then get... and then actually that becomes like or has it risks becoming also a bit racialized if there are you know a minority minorities in the room because people are just not used i don't know like it, the lines get drawn in really funny places just through who the teacher also, i mean i think you, you just hit exactly on something so important there which is that they the uh, the outside person is telling you what you were feeling from what they're looking at and that's absolute bollocks i would burn desmond morris's books on body language you know <laughs> seriously because they are completely eurocentric they, and they're all about the importance of the gaze of the person watching. And wow. I think it's absolute nonsense. I think, I think it's really nonsense to decide that arm crossing means this, crossed legs means this. It, it's, it, it, it's, it just saves you from asking the person, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It just preserves your judgment over the, uh, the, the autonomy of the person you're looking at. I think it's really, yeah really worrying and i think it's very racialized and i think it's been used in such destructive ways and it makes people feel so clever yeah notice did you notice what that person did you know uh so i know i have all the knowledge about how they were feeling because they cleaned their glasses at this particular <laughs> they just couldn't look they were so ashamed they just couldn't look at what was going on in the room took their glasses off you know so it's all about my knowledge over your knowledge yeah. so i think it goes back to what we were talking about what you were saying lewis about trusting that the other what is the other person bringing what have they got to tell me mm. and it doesn't mean that they don't want to learn from you and they wouldn't love to learn like a piece of choreography or they wouldn't want to be stretched invited to take risks it doesn't mean any of those things but it means not um making a pedestal out of your knowledge as opposed to the other person's knowledge yeah my god just like <laughs> realize how like internalized this i'm kind of back in my mind i'm thinking well maybe i was fed up and then i'm like but i don't think i was <laughs> but i just was told that i looked like i wasn't participating well then there's a risk of getting cast in that role oh my god yeah as well and you end up casting yourself in that role yeah because you've been told so many times that you looked fed up and you're like, well, I'm the fed up one. Mm. I'm afraid I'm going to have to go in five minutes to get my new glasses. Oh, nice. Great. Bye. Lots of love. Bye. All right. Well, so we'll see you next time on, on Two Left Feet. Thanks for watching. Thanks for watching. You've been amazing. You've been amazing. Come back next time. Come back next time.